All right, everybody, welcome again to week number three of a four-part series we're calling Emotions. And I'm so glad you're here uh, for the ride today. Again, everybody at Church Online, I'm so glad that you are uh, here today. And I normally, uh, if, if you're new to City Hills, um, I normally don't make a lot of personal remarks in the pulpit unless they're uh, embarrassing stories about my wife and kids. Um, and there's coming a time when my kids are going to be old enough to make me not do that anymore. <laughs> but not yet. So anyways, um, uh, uh, I, nor- I normally wouldn't make personal remarks, but I... On a birthday like this, I just want to say thank you to those of you who've been here for the majority of the ride. Some of you in the room have been here since day one, and it has been quite a ride. Uh, our church started, uh, like I told you, in an elementary school, and then uh, nine months later, we were in a movie theater uh, that we spent three years in, <clears throat> and God, in that movie theater, uh, tripled the size of our congregation. Uh, it was just amazing. So many people came to God there. So many people uh, born again there. And it's just an amazing uh, journey, really. Um, and then and then this year, uh, COVID, just, it was just a, a, a unique year. I know it's been for you. It has been for everybody. And we pivoted to church online for seven months. We didn't gather together physically. We were at church online, and then we lost the facility that we were in uh, for that long and really had nowhere to go. And so we moved 11 miles from that door to this door uh, up the road. And by the way, if you live in Bernie like I do, uh, today all four lanes of I-10 were open. I think that's a birthday miracle. If nothing else happens today, God has answered our prayers, everybody. <laughs> like, it's just, I, this, I was weeping this on the way in this morning, just thankful to God. I rode in the HOV lane all by myself, just, just thankful to God that, that it was. But those of you who made that trip with us, and I know it's personal, thank you. Thank you for trusting us enough to move 11 miles. Thank you for trusting us enough to, to be in our third portable place. And still, we don't have a permanent home. Thank you for giving faithfully when we weren't together for seven months. Thank you for staying around. Thank you to our team that doubled in January. We literally doubled the size of our staff and then two-thirds of our church went missing all in the same year. I don't have any ulcer problem. I'm fine, really. (laughs) But thank you to Aubrey, who was here on day one and still carried my pulpit four years later so that I could preach the gospel. There's, there's power in that, by the way. There's power in continual serving in the same direction over an extended period of time. There's multiplied power in that. Thank you to Justin and Taylor. First people who said, yeah, we'll go. We don't even know where that is or how to get there. I've never been there, but we'll go help start this church with you. And Justin was here this morning early before I got here, setting up, making sure everything was right. Just... Thank you to Brandy and my two children. My little boy was one year old when we moved here. He doesn't know anything any different. He only knows you, and he loves you. Woke up this morning before us, excited to go to church, always happy about church. My deepest prayer in all of this journey I had, I love you, but I love them more than I love you. That's just the truth. My deepest prayer has been, I don't want, I don't want this to harm my my babies I want them to love church like I love church 
And they woke up today loving God's house. And in Jesus' name, they're going to love it till Jesus returns. We're going to build something together. So I'm grateful for you. And, and that's, that's all of our, that's all, that's all I'll tell you today. Except for stick around for cupcakes. Brandy said it, but I just got to tell you again. I'm from the deep south and food is my love language. Come on, somebody. So <laughs> I hope you stick around for that. Grab your Bibles. I got to jump into God's word. Father, thank you for uh, God's word. Thank you for the Bible. It is my roadmap to living an abundant life, a successful life. So I open God's word today as I open my heart. I'm asking you to speak directly to me that I leave here changed, encouraged, different, my head held higher, on purpose. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody shout amen. amen. Come on, do better than that. Shout a good amen. Amen. So we're in a series about emotions. If you haven't caught up yet, I'd encourage you to go back and uh, watch uh, the, the other uh, two messages uh, in this series so far. And I want to make a turn today uh, 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 talking about all our feelings and how we deal with our emotions. And, and a lot of times, especially if you're new to church or you're new to Christianity, new to Jesus, uh, you, you believe, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I understand how you could misbelieve this, but a lot of non-Christians believe Christianity is about controlling your behavior. It's about what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. Doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. And, and honestly, I mean, there's nothing, especially in today's culture, wrong with some boundaries and some guardrails. And, and uh, that our lives are transformed. I hope that that's true for you. But honestly, Christianity is more than that. If you're taking notes today, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down anyway. <laughs> Abundant life starts in the heart. It's a heart matter. It's a matter of your heart. My, my mentor who's gone on to be with the Lord, Bishop uh, T.F. Tenney, used to say it this way, that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. It really is more about what's on the inside than a behavior change on the outside. Because if you'll fix what's on the inside, it will automatically change your behavior, the way you talk, think, look, act. Everything about you changes if the heart changes. The other thing's true, though. Religion will tell you if you just look the part, your heart can be far from God, and that is not true. Say amen to that. And so we built our church around the heart. If your heart's not in it, it's, if it's far from it, then your behavior reflects it. And as a church, our vision and our values that we believe uh, a God it has for everybody in the, in the world. I mean, I don't think this is just something that we've come up with. I think it's God's plan for humanity. It's not about behavior control. It's about your heart. It speaks to your heart. And let me just give you a little leadership lesson here as I open on our birthday. That uh, We say it this way, that vision leads here at City Hills. Vision is the leading force. It, it determines everything we do and what we don't do. It determines the decisions we make, the programs we have, the ministries we start, the structures of our house. It's, it, and all of it is aimed at your heart. If you're taking notes and you don't know, write this down. Our vision has four simple statements. It's that everybody comes to know God. Know God. Write that in your notes. Not just know about God, but know God. And then that you find freedom in your life. Not just that you, uh, uh, that, that you come to know God and you still got a past. I know a lot of saved people on their way to heaven who still live in hell. 
I know a lot of people on their way to heaven who still are bound by addictions and their past and problems. Say amen to that, everybody. And then when you settle your yesterdays, I think the best part of Christianity really begins when, you're, when, when you sort of make the turn. I think this is where most Christians lose out. It's not that you don't, that you don't know God, and it's not that you haven't settled your yesterdays. But then you get to discover your purpose. And discovering your purpose is really the heart of our house. It gives you a place to find a family that you were made on purpose and with a purpose. I tell you this often, but the two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why you were born. That you discover the purpose God has for you so that you can do what God really called you to do. And that's make a difference. You were not saved. Jesus didn't die just to keep you out of hell. He died so that you could have abundant life here, eternal life there, and then you could make a difference and take as many people with you to heaven as possible. Shout amen to that, everybody. You, everything you get from God is, is not just for you. It's for somebody else. And, and, and this vision to know God and find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, you'll see it written everywhere. We talk about it all the time. It's the heart and soul of our house. But it's God's Word. We didn't just come up with that. I think you find it everywhere in the Bible. I see it all the time. Every time I open God's Word, I'll give you one quick example today of where you can find it in God's Word. Isaiah 61. This is a prophecy about Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus reads this prophecy in the, the temple. You'll remember. And He says, this prophecy is fulfilled today in your hearing. In other words, I'm the fulfillment of this prophecy. And he's reading from Isaiah 61 and he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, talking about Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to, underline this in your Bible, preach good tidings to the poor. That's that you know God. That's God's plan, that everybody knows the good news. That's what the gospel is. It's good news to those that are far from God. And then he sent me to, underline this, heal the brokenhearted. And proclaim liberty to captives. And open up prison doors to those that are bound. <laughs> it's God's plan that after you come to know God that you find freedom. I see it everywhere. Every, every time I open the Bible I find the same four things God has for everybody. He wants you to be free from all the stuff you've been bound with. And verse 3 says to console those who mourn in Zion. And to give them beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. And the oil, here's what I want you to underline, the oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. He said, I want to make an exchange with you. You give me all of your past and problems. I'm going to exchange to you the purpose of your life. I'll give you something. And then when you do that, now you can be called, I love this, trees of righteousness. One translation says oak trees of righteousness planted deep. You, you become trees of righteousness in your family. You're the planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. And then you get to do what God desires for every human ever created to do. Verse 4. Then they, everybody shout they. Up until now, it was you. But when you get to know God and find freedom and discover your purpose, now God puts you on a team and He talks about you in they. Now, now He says, I want, I want you, now, now you're my people. You're not just a person. Y'all didn't catch that. I'm going to say it a different way. When we started quarantine, I told you the church is not a building, you're the church, but I misled you. 
Because you're not the church. You and you are the church. And you and you and you are the church. Are you with me? It takes more than just you to be the church of Jesus Christ. God says when you do all of this, then they, then the church together gets to do what no one else on earth can do. Look at my eyes. Government can't do it. The next president won't do it. Your political party can't do it. No one else can do what you can do when God's called you and anointed you and gifted you and you know it. Then they rebuild the old ruins. And then they raise up former desolations. And then they repair the ruined cities. You see, and what you do, you change the world. Now you get to make a difference with your life. I see it everywhere. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And that vision leads our house. But we also have values. And our values anchor us. So vision leads, values anchor. By the way, just let me teach you another leadership lesson. Culture is the elastic band between the two. Vision is what leads our house, that you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Values never change. They stay anchored down. They're always going to be here. And culture is the elastic band that moves. It's the undescribable feeling of our church when you come in and you go, man, I don't know what it is, but I like this place. I like the way this place feels. That's culture. But our values are what we're rooted in. And we have four values here. I'm really, really deep and spiritual and theological. So all of our stuff is in fours and it's really short. (laughs) Our four values are this, that we love God. Write this in your notes. You'll see it on the screen. That we love people. We love God. We love people. We pursue excellence because God deserves our very best. Say that again. Because God deserves your very best. We pursue excellence with our lives and our church, and then we choose joy. I want to preach to you for the next few moments on the value of joy. That's the emotion of the day. Isaiah 61 and 3, he said, I'm going to to make this exchange with you. You know, it's, it's in that discovering purpose part that after you come to know God and after you've settled your yesterdays and find freedom, he said, I'm going to give you the oil of joy for mourning. Underline that. I want you to write that on your mirror in lipstick or in soap if you're a guy. I want you to write it on your mirror in your bathroom and look at that every day this week. That God wants to give you the oil of joy for all the mourning. Hey, let me just go ahead and speak to 2020. I will not leave this year mourning anymore. I'm going to have the oil of joy all over me. God's going to cover me in the oil of joy. And he's going to give you the garment of praise. Praise is something you wear in. It's not something you feel. Some people choose churches based on what they, well, I like the, that style of music. Well, that's the garment of praise isn't a style of music. It's I put it on. I don't care if it's a pipe organ or if it's, I was going to say somebody with a pipe, but that's very different. That's a different kind of church. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Not this church. I don't care. I don't care what it is. When I come to God's house, I put on my garment of praise that God has given me. Listen, look at this. For the spirit of heaviness. Now listen. 
There's a lot that's gone on this year. There's a lot that's gone on in four years. I'm speaking prophetically into this house today, by the way. The spirit of prophecy is on me today. Because there are people who say, what, what, what's happening and what's going on and where? And you're looking around and where and what and what, what's happening. Let me, let me explain to you what's going on in 2020. It's more than just a virus. It's more than emotion. It's more than just a little stuff. It's more than feeling anxious. It's more than racial tension. It's more than political division. And it's more than negativity. There is a spirit of heaviness that rests in so many people. And in Jesus' name, this church will be the place where the garment of praise and the oil of joy is given for every morning heart and the spirit of heaviness. Shout a better amen to that. We're not going to mourn what we used to be and how we used to be and I like the way it used to be and where we used to be. I, I thank God for where I currently am and what he's currently doing, who he's currently sending, and that's the oil of joy. If you want to leave 2020 with joy in your life, you can't mourn the way January and February were. We're never returning back to the beginning of 2020. But we're going to move on into what God has for us. Better and best is just around the corner. That's joy. Joy is so much more than an emotion or a feeling. Joy is foundation to Christianity. Did you know in the Christmas story? By the way, it's almost Christmas. I'll give you my list later. But anyways, uh, 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 in the Christmas story, did you know that joy is mentioned eight different times? The foundation of Christianity is joy. The foundation of the birth of our Savior is joy. It's joy. This is a jo If you don't go to a church, if somebody shared this with you online, and your church is just sad and it's cold and your, your head's always hanging down, listen, that's not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is full of joy, joy, joy. And in this spirit of heaviness in 2020, I know there's a, there's, there's a part of me and I know there's a part of you who says, I wish it would change. I wish things would just go back to normal. I wish we could go back to who we were and what we were and how we were. And I've lived a lot of those days wishing that we could have, would have, should have. But that's not joy. God wants to give you joy if it never changes in your life. Let me say it better this way. If nothing ever gets fixed in your marriage, you can still have joy in the middle of the turmoil. If everything still, if, if, you still, if the company closes and you lose your job, you can still have joy. If, if, if things don't work out the way you thought they would, you can still have joy. You, God wants to let you have joy in the middle, even if the circumstances don't change. Shout amen to that, everybody. There's no better example of somebody choosing joy than the Apostle Paul in the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, the Apostle Paul writes two-thirds of the New Testament as letters to churches that he's planted all around Asia and Europe. And the Apostle Paul, a Hebrew by birth, a Pharisee by denomination, and he is... Uh, converted radically on the road to Damascus and meets Jesus face to face. God transforms his life. 
And then a lot of people believe that's when things are supposed to get better, right? Like I gave my heart to God and everything's different here and I, now I'm going to get better. But after Paul becomes a Christian, he's shipwrecked and stranded at sea and snake bitten. That's enough to make me give up. And he's beaten five different times with 39 lashes. You know the 39 lashes they gave Jesus once that almost took his life? They gave them to Paul five times. And he's beaten three times with rods, not, not the five times with the 39 lashes. And he's starving. And he's been in and out of prison. And he's been forsaken by everyone. And he's been stoned, not recreationally. We settled that. Actual stone. Some of you are like, well, I mean, at least the brother was stoned. You know, at least he had a happy day. At least he had to deal with it. That's not the same thing. <laughs> and in the middle of all of that, listen, in the middle of his, nothing changed in his life but his outlook on his life. He says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 10, I was sorrowful, yet, underline yet in your Bible, yet I always rejoiced. I was poor, yet God was making me rich, and I was making many rich. I had nothing, and yet I possessed everything. The key to joy in your life is to get a yet in your spirit. Things may not be okay, yet I'm going to praise God. I, I may have got a bad diagnosis from the doctor, but I'm not dead yet, and I'm going to give God the remaining days I've got. I may, uh, things may not go well in my business, but I'm going to tithe and put God first. It's always choosing joy no matter what the circumstance is. Paul had something better than happiness. Paul had joy. And I meet people, so many people who have bad days and hard times and they don't do well and they're fighting the spirit of heaviness. And how you respond in those days determines the success of your Christianity and your faith life over, the, over an extended period of time. Over, over the length of your life, when you look back, how you handle the hard times what do you do on the bad days? How do you handle years like this year? Determine the success in your life. And so many people try to pursue happiness when things go bad. You know, if, I could, if, if everything just could get back to normal, if, if we could just have blue skies again, if, if it could just be butterflies again. I love butterflies. They make me feel special. And I just wish we had more blue skies and butterflies. And I can, if, I could just, if I could just get my old job back, if we could just go back the way it used to be, if everything would just return to normal, then I could be happy. Listen, you can have something better than circumstantial happiness. You can choose joy. Happiness comes and goes. Joy is a choice no matter what. Write this in your notes. Happiness is external. It's what happens to me. Joy is internal. It's what's happening in me. Happiness is external. It's, it depends on what happens to me. Joy is something on the inside of my life that's internal. It doesn't matter what comes or goes. Again, Paul had this, 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though we are, here it is, 
outwardly wasting away. On the outside, you look at me and you go, man, there's just, how are they making it? What's going on? Nothing looks right. Things are going from bad to worse. But inwardly, we're being renewed every single day. There's a, there's a difference between what's going on on the outside and what's happening on the inside. And he says, my light and momentary troubles are building something in me. They're achieving an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, write this down. We fix our eyes not on what we can see. Because if you do that over the next eight weeks, if you watch the news until the election, you'll think it's all going to hell. If, if, you, if, you, if you watch the news and you watch Facebook and you, you fix your eyes on the world and what's happening around you, you'll think, man, I don't know if this is ever going to be right. I don't know if I can ever get out of this. Paul said, no, 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 I don't, I don't fix my eyes on what I can see. I fix my eyes on what is unseen. Because what I see is temporary. But what I can't see is God has an eternal plan for my life. Just because the circumstance isn't right doesn't mean you can't be right. Just because the circumstance isn't right, you you can only focus on what you can see. And if if that's all you do, happiness will come and go. You'll have days where you think, I'm going to give up. And days when you think, I think I can make it. And then I'm going to give up and I think I can make it. But if you'll focus on heaven and you'll focus on God's plan. And you'll focus on something bigger than you are. You'll have joy no matter what? i got to preach it really quick to you, so write fast. Let me give you three ways that you can have joy no matter what. Number one, stop asking why. Stop asking why. I have a, a, a little boy who is inquisitive and he is in, he constantly in a state asking, why, why are we doing this? Dad, why do we do it that way? Dad, why do we do that? Dad, why is this? Dad, why does this happen this way? Dad, why are you so fat? Dad, why does it go this way? Dad. <laughs> that lapse was a little hard, but anyway. <laughs> Y'all got me all insecure now. <clears throat> Dad, why? Why? Listen, if you're not careful, you can die in your why. God, why? Why did this have to happen this way? Why did I have to lose my job? Why did she walk out? Why did things go the way they did? Why did he do what he did to me? Why? 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 Look look at me. God never promised you your life would be perfect. As a matter of fact, he promises you the opposite. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. In other words, you can have something better than looking in this way. He never promised you no trouble. He promised you could rise above whatever trouble that you currently had. You could choose joy. But you cannot live in your wise. Why? Why? Why is this? you got to table your wise until you get to heaven. When you get to heaven, you can ask God, God, why did this happen? Then you'll know. Matter of fact, uh, 1 Corinthians says it this way. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog right now, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears. And the sun shines bright. And we see it all then as clearly as God sees. When you get to heaven, you'll get the answer to your why. But you'll die in your why. And have no joy in your life if you have to know the answers on this side of heaven. 
Number two, when you stop asking why, you need to start asking what. Start asking what. God, what are you doing in this? God, what's your purpose in this? God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you doing in this? God, what can I learn? What area can I grow in? God, what is being stretched in my life? God, what's the best I can see in this? Stop asking why I'm going through it and start asking, God, what could you do through this in my life? How could you use this? Now listen, I'm going to be honest with you. If you'll start asking this question, it will open up the joy channel in your life. If you'll quit asking, why did I? Why did he? Why did God? And you'll start saying, what can I learn? What could God do in this? What is God's plan in this? Paul ends up writing a whole bunch of the Bible because he didn't ask why. He's in prison and he said, since I'm here, God, what could you do through me? Oh, I know. I can't do anything else. I can't preach on a stage. I can't plant any more churches. But I can write letters to a bunch of churches I've already planted. And now the plan of God is revealed not in the why, in the what. This is what I can do while I'm here. What could God do through you in the situation you're in? If he never gives you the answer to why, what could God use you for? What could God be teaching you, showing you? I've asked that question over the last seven months. God, I'm tired of asking why this happened to our church. I'm going to ask, what can we do different? What can we, I've told our team, let's focus our attention on what, don't focus on who left, focus on who's left. Don't focus on what we've lost. Focus on what we have left and what we still have to do. God, what do you want to teach me in this? What could God do through me? Jesus says it like this in John 15, 11. I've told you all of this was coming so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. There it is. And the last one really is the crux of living a joy filled life stop asking why don't 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 die in the why did she leave why did we bury her why did it turn out this way why did he abandon us why did the company fold why no god what could you do in this god what could you teach me god what could you show me god what new venture could i get into god what new business could i start god what new thing could i be doing with my life god what could you show me grow me stretch me teach me in this and then when you get a what write this in your notes start making a difference with your life God hardwired you for joy in serving. The key to consistent, continual joy in your life is so counterintuitive to the way humans think. Because we think if I can do more for me, fix me, fix this situation, then I can finally find joy. And God says, no, I've hardwired you. If you can do more for others, help others, lift others, serve others, then your joy will be complete. God hardwired you to make a difference for joy. My problem gets smaller when I focus on someone else's. 
let me say it different. Uh, you'll be amazed at how God would speak to you when you speak to someone else. Often in my ministry over the last two decades, God has given me direction while I'm counseling people in my ministry. I'll, I'll hear the voice of God as I'm helping somebody else. I, I literally, I'll leave a counseling with more direction for my own life. I don't know if it helped any of y'all, but I walk away with <laughs> God, God gives, God gives you a built-in, listen to this, God gave you a built-in joy fountain. And the spout of joy, I'm prophesying to you now, the spout of joy in your life will turn on the moment you start serving other people. As long as you're focused on you, as long as you're focused on your problem, as long as you're focused on that divorce, as long as you're focused on that miscarriage, as long as you're focused on what didn't go right, as long as you're focused on that that business that's folded, as long as you focus on 2020 and this is bad and I don't know and how's it going to change, you'll always live your life confused, anxious, worried, fearful. But joy opens up when your eyes open. Oh, God designed me to do something for you. I leave church happier. I leave church better. I leave church in... You know why? Because what I'm doing right now to you is what God designed me to do from the foundation of the world. He formed me in my mother's womb and gave me the purpose to stand on this stage and preach the gospel to you. So joy, listen, so joy comes in my life when I do what I'm called to do. And joy will come to your life when you do what you're called to do. Proverbs 11.25 says it like this. A generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's, just, it's, just your, it's in your Bible. If you'll serve somebody else, joy is turned on in your life. Refreshing others, serving others, open up the fountain in your life to be refreshed. I like to, I like to preach it this way. Probably one of the most, the biggest revelation I've gotten in the last several years is this idea of making a difference with your life and, and God connecting the emotion of joy, not happiness, but joy. And I received it from this verse. Several years ago, I was on a stage in Austin, Texas, much like this, and I was about to receive uh, our tithe and offering. That was my job in that particular service. And God gave me this scripture, and it really has transformed my ministry, honestly, and the connection in my mind and in my heart to God's plan for my life. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, you'll see it on the screen. It says it like this, that he who supplies seed to the sower. Now watch this. God does not supply seed to people who ask for it. He supplies seed to people who are already sowing it. He does, not, he does not fix you because you beg and cry and, uh, God, what, what, please, God, why? God, what, what, why, why is this happening? God, fix this. God, take this from me. No, no, no. I tell you what I'll do, God. I'll get on mission helping somebody else dealing with the same problem I'm dealing with. And God goes, now you're sowing. Now I'm going to pour more into you. Seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed but He doesn't just give you more joy for you. 
He gives you more joy for sowing and an increase of the harvest of your righteousness. Another translation says, your joy, your joy. God gave me joy so that I could serve you with joy. And in serving you with joy, He fills me with joy. There's so many people in this year who are asking God, why? God, why? Why did it have to happen like this? And in your life, you may have had tough days, hard days. Don't let me make light of your struggle. I, I don't mean to minimize the, the, the struggle of your life, but I have to tell you, you'll die in a why. Why? Why did she leave me when she said she wouldn't? Why couldn't we have children? Why? Why, why, why this year of all years? Why? Why am I not married yet? Why? Why did he walk away? You could start asking what. That's where I would start today. God, what do you want to do? Matter of fact, there's some of you, listen, nobody moving. There's some of you who need to ask what right now. God, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? God, do I need to get baptized today? God, is that what you're calling me to do? What's the next step I need to take? God, do I need to get on the growth track and join the dream team? God, do I need to get in a small group where, where people can g- gather around me and encourage me and lift me and help me? God, wh- what do I do now? God, what could you teach me in this? God, wh- what, 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 what step do I need to take next? And when you figure it out, I'm telling you, I'm just encouraging you. Listen, I, I, honest, I tell you this often, but we do a whole lot without you. So, so when a lot of times when... Preachers are preaching this way. Some people interpret it as like, well, he just, he wants me to serve, you know, to help and all that. And and that's great. But honestly, I want you to serve somebody else because you need it. Because it's the fountain of joy God hardwired in your life. Quit focusing on you. Quit, don't leave 2020. Listen, I'm declaring today in the third week of this series, I'm done mourning this year. I'm over it. Is it better? No, it may get worse. Are, th- are, things, are things settled in America? No, they may get worse. Is our church have everything it wants? We're in a conference room, not our own building. It may get worse. But I choose joy, no matter what. And you don't have to have your whole life figured out to be able to find joy. Bow your heads and close your eyes, everyone at Church Online. You can have something better than happiness today. You can have real joy. Joy that changes you. Joy that lifts you. Joy that sustains you in the hard days, the tough seasons. Joy that picks you up when you're down. Joy that gives you life when it seems like everybody's taking life from you. Joy that makes a difference. If you, if you want to be included in this prayer, I, nobody's going to do anything. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But I would like to know who I'm praying for. If you need that kind of joy, if you feel like life has knocked you down, maybe not just this year, but 
just in, in, in general, I'm holding on to, I'm struggling to get through what's happened to me, the circumstances of my life, the choices or the things or the things I didn't even have any, any choice in. And I need joy. If that's you, would you just be honest and raise your hand and say, that's me, I need joy. I see your hands everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands everywhere. I see you. God bless you. All the way back there, I see you. God bless you. I see you here up front. I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you on the side. God bless you. I see you. I need joy. Church online, just lift a hand there in your house, or you can even put it in the chat wherever you're watching this. I need joy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray what Jesus said in the temple that day. When he opened the scroll to Isaiah 61 and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. and He's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Father, I pray for people today that there's good news. That the good news of the gospel would lift them, encourage them, strengthen them. God, I pray that you would bind the brokenhearted today. Open prison doors from people who feel captive to their past, to their addictions, to their hurts, to their shame and to their guilt. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give them the oil of joy for the mourning of their heart. That in this very moment, their prayer would turn from begging God to the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God, it's not everything I want, but I thank you for what I do have. God, it's not the job I started this year with, but I thank you that I got a job. God, it's not, it's not exactly how I want it to be in our home, but I thank you that, that we're still together. You're still working. I pray for the oil of joy in the room. And then I pray for people today who feel called to more, to rebuild some old wastelands, to rebuild some things in our church, to rebuild some things in their neighborhoods, in their cities, to rebuild hope and faith and love in a country who's walked away, in a, in, in a neighborhood, in a community who may feel like all hope is gone, I pray for people to start making a difference and in doing so that joy would be their portion. Now if you've never given your heart to Jesus, now's the time to do it. Because I know you feel God calling you to it. I know there are people in the room today and people at church online. God told me people were going to get saved today. You came to church knowing you're lost, you're far from God. If that's you and I'm talking to you, you don't have to raise your hand, but you do have to raise your heart to God. If that's you and you know you're far from God today, let me lead you in a prayer. I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I receive forgiveness, mercy, grace, I repent of all of my sins. I'm asking you to save me. Make me brand new. Heal me. Deliver me. Set me free. Give me purpose. Give me direction. I'll serve you every day of my life. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout a big amen. Come on, let's celebrate everybody who prayed that prayer today.